Hello everyone, welcome to World of Anime. I am Stephanie, your host, and with me again I have Ben. Lou. And we're back with another hype review. Why is it not a stereo track? It is a stereo track. Sorry. Steph, are you stereotyping again? <laughs> uh, we are back with another hype review. I'm just going to gloss right over that. Fair. And um, we're going to talk about the shows. Finally. On time. <laughs> Yay. Finally on time. Yay. What lofty goals. Let's jump right in. This was a packed week, I think. Yeah. There was a lot. There was a lot that happened this week. Like, a lot of really interesting good things. I'm, like, really excited to talk about it. Okay. Let's do that. Let's start with Steins Gate, because, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah, so, started off the episode a little unclear on whether Okabe's detour to the other world line was possibly a dream. So that, in and of itself, was an interesting premise. And then we had the idea that one of their... Uh, mutual friends uh, one of the girls who cosplays I don't know that we actually we probably know her name I don't remember it I just think of her as Chie from Persona 4 she does look like Chie from Persona 4 Um, maybe also has reading Steiner they had the same dream yeah they had the same dream but not in like a romantic way except their friend thinks it's in a romantic way yeah fair Maybe um, she is his soulmate. That would be so contrived and weird. I know, but it's terrible. Oh no. <laughs> We're a little punchy today, everyone. It's gonna be an interesting <gasps> episode. <laughs> so after the whole, like, are they actually soulmates or does she just have reading Steiner? Then uh, he tries to figure out what world line they're in. He eventually comes to the conclusion that he's he is in the same world line, which... Surprise, surprise, the show doesn't pull a fast one on us. Yeah. Um, maybe. Maybe. We think. So far, it seems like they're in the same world line. We find out that, like, Maho's office got trashed, and Amadeus, they're, like, trying to recover it, and... Somehow he- it didn't occur to Maho. Though it's kind of an interesting idea that Makise Kurisu is not just a simulation, she also has Makise Kurisu's secrets. You know, she's she knows the things... The valuable information that... She'll only know the valuable information and secrets that were recorded up to that time. Sure, but that still includes time travel theory and the password to this locked computer revealed in the last few minutes of the episode. That's fair. So, we eventually figure out that, like, we should figure out Makise Kurisu's secrets because the American government tracks down the time travel stuff to her father and then they go to her, I think. And so that's how the, that's how she gets involved in all of the yeah. World War Three time travely stuff. We're also told that there are earthquakes happening in Russia, and we find out those are not really earthquakes; those are Russia testing time travel theories, which is why the reading Steiner thing happened in the first place. Yeah, a few a couple episodes ago. So that's interesting. That World War Three premise stuff is already beginning, and it seems pretty like isolated from any of. Okabe's actions, other than the fact that, like, no, because if Karisu's alive, they can find her, but I don't know how his actions would have prevented Russia and America from doing time travel experiments. There are a lot of very interesting directions this could go, because the other thing that was brought up almost casually in this episode is that, you know, 
Okabe is having full-blown hallucinations now. He can just see Makise talking to him as if he has, you know, advanced schizophrenia. Is it, though, or is that just him, like, manifesting her so that he can figure out stuff? Sure. The first time he did it, I was like, okay, maybe that's fine. But then the fact that she was animated and, like, they were having back-and-forth conversations in this particular season of this particular show with its psychological bent, I do think it could be indicative of something more concerning. Hmm. Um, Okabe used to be such a fun, carefree, wackadoodle character. Now he's just like this really frightening, schizophrenic, sad man. Yeah. It's a little sad. And I hope he becomes... Everyone wants him to go back to normal. Daru's like, just go back. Daru and Suzu... After Suzu threatened Okabe's life uh, by threatening that we have to go... Um, and he was like, I don't want to, though. And Daru was like, yo, Suzaha, don't shoot the poor man. Listen to your daddykins. And then they had a camp out in the, <laughs> in the space-time machine. Their relationship is very sweet. I like them. I will say, when she actually fired the gun, I mean, maybe it'll come back to us, but, like, she fired it horizontally in a city. Like, there is a very decent chance that that hit something. Maybe it did graze his cheek, so I feel like. But that, that means it went past him. But it would have slowed down the velocity, so it might have just. I don't like know if that's how bullets work. The more things it hits, I imagine the fewer things that the less far it can go. Sure, it's but it's still going to my... hurt a person. They're high. It so can... they can't be wounded by <laughs> normal bullets. <laughs> no. <laughs> what if it went onto another building's rooftop and just or into a window of another building? They're pretty high off the ground. There's no other window. I don't know. The bullet comes down because of gravity. It's anime, Ben. She fired a gun. <laughs> People are going to want to know what that sound was. Bullets are not real. Okay. You're in a city. People do bullets all the time. I guess not in Japan. <laughs> Have you even played the Yakuza series? <laughs> no. Everything's solved by Punch Dad. We're so punchy. <laughs> so, a lot happened. And basically, if we assume that we are back at the original world line, then the whole point of that little thing was to make Okabe realize how important this world line is because Mayushi is alive. And that he wants to save this timeline because she's alive in it. <sighs> and for us to figure out that, yes, the world line did change because Russia decided to try some time travel shit. That's what we got from basically the last two or three episodes was this basic nugget of information. I'm not sure, and I feel like a broken record on this, I really enjoy it. I still feel like I don't have enough to fully comment on it yet because it's rapidly unfolding. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not disagreeing, but it is kind of fun to like make our predictions and observations now, then come back in a few weeks and be like, we were so stupid. Oops. Oops. We should record these. Yeah. No, I don't think anyone would listen to them. No. <laughs> so I think now that we've gotten Stein's get out of the way, let's do Persona 5. Let's work back in reverse order. So I, this was actually specifically one of the things I was looking forward to seeing adapted because it really does, rather, the episode really dives into the side stories with the various confidants from the game. 
And it really gives the characters a moment to kind of develop a little bit more. Uh, at least, in, in particular, our protagonist, who kind of generally goes along with things. We got to see him take initiative on things emotionally a little bit. Yeah, we he... He had things that were not just like yes ending the other characters. He had like actual re- responses. So I'm trying to like now come up with like a profile for what Ren Amama Mama Mama's character is because he's basically an enemy. He has this sense of noble like justice. Like he wants, he likes the idea of justice and helping people. He has this kind of dry sense of humor, which is fun. He wants to protect his friends. He is embarrassed in awkward social situations, but not so embarrassed that he completely caves. And he knows how to manipulate the situation to his liking with the teacher. Yes. I'm trying to figure out, did we learn any other like interesting like personality traits of his? I mean, just seeing him have reactions other than like, let's fight or I agree. Yeah, there was a few good ones. I was like, oh, look, like real character animation. This is nice. They do seem to still have a little bit of a phobia of giving him normal human facial expressions. Also normal human dialogue. Yeah. It got better, but it's not quite there. Yeah. But it was better. And the whole like finding out his teacher was a maid by some ungodly reason was really funny. Um, And that whole thing. I think the, the funniest moment of that episode was... At the end when she's like, I give very good massages. Like, you can request my services. And the next thing you see her doing his laundry and she's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, that was actually like a good punchline. I was like, you, you did good. I it was an actual you. funny episode with internal stories that are set up and are satisfying. It was funny. It was at least pretty well animated. Um, I thought that that was very well done. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like it's maintained through the thread of it because they're still looking for their next mission. And they initially, you know, try to help, try to call this maid service because they're trying to see if they need any help. Turns out not really. But they did find that their teacher was one. The only, the side story I really don't get is the whole like medicine lady thing. She's like, oh, you're going to try my new thing. And then nothing happens. Yeah, that one's weird to me because there is just full-blown plot points that are avoided in her storyline. And she comes across much more mysterious, but also confusing. Yeah. She's like, oh, you're ready for the next dosage. You ready to be my guinea pig? And he's like, uh, I I guess. And the next scene, which you would assume he'd be having whatever effects were from it, like there's no apparent change. And if there is, they've not told us what that medicine was supposed to do. So it's just like, why are you even bothering having her in there? Like, other than someone to get medicine from in the game, like, what other purpose does she serve? In the game, she is... She's how you get, like, she's like a power-up. No, um, so basic game mechanics, there's, like, how much health you have and how many, you know, it's not magic, like, however much energy do you, you have to spend on special moves. She is the only person who sells you items that can replenish that. You know, your mana potions equivalent. Mm -hmm. And they can get stronger by allowing her to test stronger medicine. I get that, but she's there for a game mechanic. Yes, she has a story built around that. And for some reason, which is completely baffling to me, 
they have kept the game mechanic part and took out the story part. And they like not they don't even really have the game mechanic part. They have like the setup for the game mechanic and then no payoff from it. So they can say, "Look, we put her in the anime, but she doesn't do literally anything." I'm like, "Why do you keep introducing like they had the guns dealer that one time and like if that's the only time where he comes up, like, okay, that's a cute little nod to the fact that this is where the kids are going to get their guns from. And look, here's that character. But, like, he hasn't shown up again, which I would be okay with. And, like, I don't know why she's needed to. Like, these whole, like, health trials aren't relevant to a show. They're a way to get a stat. Literally the only reason I can think of is you're capable of dating her character in the game. And I'm wondering if they're just going to keep detail on everyone who you can date in the game. Uh, so as to not piss off any particular type of shipper. No. That's stupid. That's stupid. Don't do... Don't be weak, boys and girls, like they think you are. Be stronger than that. There's one OTP, maybe multiple OTPs, but not everybody is an OTP, so stop it. Do you have a sense of your OTP? From that show? From this game? Not really. Like, there's, like, uh, I'm more, like, I, I was more recently playing Persona 4, so I definitely have better ideas of who should be best girl in those. But, like, I also haven't finished playing the game yet, so I don't know who's actually best girl. And in this, like, I don't think that any of them really is. Like, he doesn't seem the type to be interested in that. Like, he and Anne are too good of friends, in my opinion. Like, maybe some of the other girls, but I don't know them well enough yet because we haven't been introduced to them in the show. So, I don't know. It's really interesting, and this is the particular angle where it's very difficult to... that particular angle is hard to adapt well because you can play a Ren that dates no one. You can play a Ren that dates everyone simultaneously. And even though his Ren. dialogue in the core scenes is the same, those are fundamentally different people. That's a, that's a pimpy Ren. Yeah. That's a pimpy boy. There's actually, spoiler alert, a secret cutscene where they catch on and get mad at you. That's so good. That's so good. Good job, game. Okay job, anime. I'm still excited because they just introduced this other villain who's supposed to be like a really big shot and the woman who's interrogating him, which reminded me again that this whole goddamn show is supposed to be him telling this interrogator the story of what she wants to know. She's, she, wanted, she said, it's funny because the whole time she starts off this whole thing with, I don't have a lot of time. You need to tell me right now. And it's a multiple episode spanning anime, so it's not really a quick story, but like, good job trying. Yeah. But like, yeah, so um, we're going to learn about this villain next, and we get little hints. We saw the, I don't know her name, the girl with the curly hair. Oh, Haru? Yes. Yeah, that was more of an Easter egg than anything else, because she doesn't show up for like three more arcs. I know, but I saw her and I recognized her. Yeah. I was like, hey! Yeah, because her character likes to garden, and she was gardening in the background of one she of the shots. She was gardening. It was cute. It was cute. So that was fun. So like... This show has gotten better than the first few episodes of it. I'm, I think this show might actually just be fine now. Yeah. Not great, but fine. Yeah, I still don't know if it's good, but it's gotten 
better than the actual shit show that we thought was. Are you okay? I might have had like a tiny stroke. Hold on. <laughs> I think I'm okay. This is fine. I just like burped and hiccuped at the same time. Please keep this in. If you really want me to. I don't. I might, though. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I think that's all we can say about Persona 5 for now. We'll wait for more. Especially for that last part. <laughs> I think we're done. Uh, then we watched Shokugeki no Soma, where we learned about Daddy-kun. Yeah. We oh, it was a background the... episode, and I was so thrilled. It was very good, and... A lot of the stuff was very close to what we had assumed, but having it all laid out was nice. It was nice that they didn't, like, keep hiding it in, like, cryptic remarks. Like, it feels like a very natural way for his story to have come out. Because you get hints, but, like, in the way that adults don't t sit down and tell you all of, like, your parents' deep, dark secrets. That made sense why it would be kind of cryptic, because it's something they didn't want the kids to really know about. But now they think it's relevant. So they're telling them just all at once and just getting it off his chest. And that's very nice as a viewer to just get that kind of payoff after like two or three seasons. Considering that Soma's dad, Saiba, has been very mysterious up until now. Very mystery. Yeah, he's been so mysterious and like this kind of elevated figure. So it's nice Which, that we... He's still elevated. He still he still is, but now he is humanized a little bit. Just a bit. Just a little bit. Like, it's it was kind of trying to demonstrate that he's not this, like, all-knowing genius. He works really hard to obtain that level of ingenuity and genius. Like, that was really nice to kind of see. So, yeah. Should we run down the basic story? Maybe a little... Just to basically run it down, the kids find out that Saiba and I still don't remember his name, but Azami. No, the other one. Cabbage I, Pink. Ca the eyebrow Boy, and and Azami. They were all like pretty good friends in school, and they used to like to challenge each other all the time. And then Saiba just kept winning. All the shokugekis and all of these external competitions and getting all of this accolades and awards and just everyone expected more and more and more of him. And you find out like him making really bad gross food was his way of like blowing off steam and he's not doing that because he's so busy by like trying to constantly, you know, innovate. And eventually it all leads up to this final really big competition that everyone's like really impressed that he got into and it's huge, and he just kind of bails because he fizzles out. And he does that weird thing that, spoiler alert if you watch This Is Us, the, the character that Sterling Brown plays will just, like, freak out when he gets, like, a crazy anxiety attack and, like, goes temporarily blind sometimes. So Saiba has, like, a similar reaction where he just, like, forgets where he is. So a little bit of that, a little bit of anxiety going all over the place. So Grandpa Headmaster Boy was like, you should just leave and stop cooking for a little while. So he leaves. A zombie's really disappointed. And so you find out not only about Saiba's past, but the fact that a zombie thinks that, you know, the constant need to innovate burns out chefs. So he thinks that 
his finding the ultimate forms of cooking and cuisine will save cooking and save chefs like Saiba. I will say, I think they are still setting up a new mysterious character in whoever Soma's mother is, because they mention it again that it's Yukihira is not Saiba's name. Right. His name is Saiba Joichiro, and for some reason he opened Yukihira's diner, and Soma's name is Yukihira Soma, and... When you find out about the rest of his life, he went missing for a while and then reached out to Eyebrow Boy and was like, oh yeah, I have a kid now. And he was like, and they all say he got himself a kid. And I'm like, what did he do? Like, they just like, I don't know. It's just, it's like the most strange origin story for Soma. But like, you know, it's fun because you get to see them kind of complimenting each other and like, Soma is the, the light and the strength that pulls him back along. And it's really nice. And it's happy. And I'm excited to, to watch more show because I got really good warm fuzzies this week. But yeah, it was interesting by learning about this. You learned about Azami's ideology because he was devastated when Saiba left. He worships his perception of Saiba as like this demon. Yeah. Whereas Eyebrow Boy was like, no, I see him as a person. Yeah. And Azami worshipped him. And so when his, like, idol fell, he he couldn't figure out what to do with himself. So he's trying to figure out a way for that never to happen to people again. But that's not how that works. So I think we're going to have a clash of ideologies. Which is fun. It's always fun. We were going to have it anyway, but now it's on slightly different terms. Which I'm excited for. And it was nice that, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen between... The introduction of this big boss battle and the actual boss battle. So I'm happy at least one of the episodes was this. Speaking of introducing previously mysterious characters. Dun, dun, dun. It's time for My Hero Academia, bitches. Woo, woo, woo. Oh, no. Where are the motorcycles when you need them? All for one. Spooky guy. Ah, his aura is so much that the other characters can't even move. Also, I'm very glad that he has, like, a cool anime villain look, and he's not just, you know, paraplegic man in a chair with a melted face. Yeah. He's genuinely scary, and I'm so excited. They really did a good job in this episode, because it's a trope that I've seen elsewhere, but they executed it really well of, like, they had this big, elaborate plan, the good guys... And it just goes perfectly. Like, the bad guys put up no fight. We're looking at, you know, series-ending level of success. And then All for One just, like, materializes a way to just destroy every part of the plan at the same time without warning. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because so many things happen at the same time. First of all, like, the kids who are doing this without permission figure out like, oh no, this is not where we thought Baku, Bakugo was, but this is the Nomu land. And at the same time as they discover this, the real heroes kick in and they're like, oh my gosh, thank goodness, because like now we know the heroes were actually doing something and we don't have to feel like we can't trust them. That was very nice until um, All for One kind of came and made everyone literally shit their pants. Just about, yeah. Yeah. And we still don't really get a super clear idea of how his powers work. But he did somehow make the Nomus, like, get to the place where they needed to get to. 
Like, he can maybe teleport things? Yeah. Um, if he can really just absorb anyone else's powers, it's going to be very challenging for this to go well for anyone. Yeah, it was interesting because the way they described him, the kids, when, when he showed up, was that he had this aura of, like, death and destruction. And they were holding their mouths. And I don't know if that's because they were trying to stifle back screams or if they were trying to keep themselves from, like, throwing up. But they were, like, so afraid that they couldn't even move. So far, he reminds me a lot of Father from Brotherhood, of, like, this distant, all-powerful figure. Yeah, except Father's less intimidating than all for one. That's legitimately true. All I mean is, by the time they were facing Father on the battlefield, it was, like, endgame. Yeah. So I'm very curious how they're going to Make this play this. Make this the endgame. Because I don't think that they are close to defeating All for One. No. I don't even think that's a thing that's going to happen in this arc. No. But a lot is going to happen between now and whatever's next. Yeah. It's going to be a lot. Because also they have to survive this encounter. Uh, damage All for One enough that he leaves them alone. And then be, have a structure to figure out how they're going to be strong enough to defeat him in the future. Like, I wonder if this is where All Might dies. It legitimately could be. So scary. We don't know what's going to happen. Ah. The fact that the gang is there secretly watching as all this stuff goes bad makes me think that they're going to witness something awful. Yeah. Also, it's a really strange gang. Yeah. Like, Ochako is not there. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, a lot of the main gang is there, but not all of them. And that's, like, a very... Froppy's not there. Well, I don't even know. Like, but I think the weird ones... Well, I don't even know red-haired red hair guy's name. Red-haired strong boy. That's it. <laughs> He's, like, Bakugo's really good friend. So it made sense for him to, like, be looking for Bak... It made sense for all the characters to be there, even though they're not the main characters, which is really interesting and exciting. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to see something terrible. I agree with you on that. I'm actually curious whether, you know, the school is going to survive the season. I don't know. Bakugo's made it out kind of alive so far. His, like, tactic was actually good, and then, like, the heroes came to save him. And then they failed. Well, and then All for One came by. Which ruins everybody's plans. He so far has the closest thing to actual like deity level powers of anything we've seen in he this show. He floats. He just floats around. Well, but he can also like aura. teleport Other arbitrary numbers of things from one place to another, from multiple different places to multiple no, other I know. different places. I was places. agreeing with you that the floating thing makes him more deity like. Yeah. He's a god of terror and darkness. Is he just Anubis? I hope that's his name, or Osiris. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. Nope. They don't really have power absorption. Nope. But like knowing Japan, it would be like, I'm going to name myself something really obvious. I mean, in all fairness, one for all and all for one is already based on another piece of literature. That's fair. Three Musketeers. What are you doing here? Which, as an aside, I'm curious if they're going to ever use that as an excuse to bring in a third element. What is, uh, is that, the the whole quote is not all for one and one for all? No, it is, but Three Musketeers obviously is the three. It's, that's, that's Midoriya-kun. Well, no, Midoriya and Shigaraki are the next gen, all for one and one for all. Oh, yes. I miss, I misremembered the name. There's a lot of names. 
Honey, I love you. You're very tired. We need to wrap up this episode. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up because clearly I've gone from punchy to downright loopy. Um, thank you very much for joining me on this episode, Ben. Where can we find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at OpenWorldIRL. I am messing around a little bit with Twitch streaming. I'm not going to put the name out there yet because I might change it. But uh, look forward to that, I guess, in the future. I've been playing some Dark Souls. I'm not very good at it. If but. you guys have ideas for what his Twitch name should be, leave them in the comments. And tell us your thoughts because we like your thoughts. I don't think we've heard any yet, but we want to. Yes. Even if they're bad, we can take it. Try not to be mean. But, you know, people are only human. And you can follow me on Twitter at StepUpTheGame. And you should follow the Nerds List on Facebook and Twitter and listen to all their other shows and watch all their content because they're cool people. No, because uh, Jet Set Media is a YouTube channel. And thank you so much to Sean Peterson for providing the music for this episode. He's a cool dude and you should follow him at SP Sounds on Twitter. And I think that's going to do it for us. It's time for me to go to bed. And uh, next week, we might have a little bit of a delay because we are going to E3. Uh, if there's any kind of anime-related news, I'm sure we'll find out about it. But So many video games! I'm excited for Kingdom Hearts 3, which is the animeest video game I've ever played, even though I've played actual anime video games. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah. Hopefully. We'll have an E3 React video Maybe. podcast. Maybe we will have an extra bonus thing for you guys next week. Because I'm not going to E3 for most of it. (laughs) Sounds like you might be able to. (gasps) Whoa, I'm so excited. All right, everybody. Have a good night, and we'll see you soon. Well, never going to see you, but you'll listen to us soon. Oyasumi! Oyasumi!